Amen. If you have your Bibles with you, I want you to turn with me to 2 Kings chapter number 4. 2 Kings chapter number 4. Tonight I want to be speaking to us on the subject of it is well. Lean to your neighbor and say it is well. It is well. Now, I will say this, everything that I say tonight, because we had a talk with the, conver- with the worship team before service tonight, and, uh, or, or they had a talk with me, I guess I could say, but uh, everything that I say, please keep it in t- context when you tell Pastor Heap, no, I'll just play it, all right, so, but uh, you know who you are, I'm just picking with you, so, uh, you know, they said that it, they can just leave for service tonight, they don't have to stay, because they're higher than the statistic is anyhow, so uh, they can go on home, so, but no, you better stay, all right, so, anyhow, so, it is well, Second Kings chapter number four, if you will stand with me and honoring God's word again tonight. That's one way I believe we can honor and show reverence to his word. It's just one of the customs that I do. I don't know what the custom of your house is. That's what I believe. Second Kings chapter number four, beginning in verse number eight. And it says this, it said, now it happened. Everyone say now it happened. Now it happened one day that Elisha went to Shunem where there is a notable woman and, and she persuaded him to eat some food. And so it was as often as he passed by, he would turn in there to eat some food. And she said to her husband, look now, I know that this is a holy man of God who passes by us regularly. Please let us make a small upper room on the wall and let us put a bed in there for him and a table and a chair and a lampstand, so it will be whenever he comes to us, he can turn in there. And it happened one day that he came there and turned into the upper room and lay down there. And then he said to Gehazi, his servant, call this Shunammite woman. And when he had called her, she stood before him and he said, he said, he said to him, say now to her, let Look, you have been concerned for us with all this care. What can I now do for you? Do you want me to speak on your behalf to the king or to the commander of the armies? And she answered to him, I dwell among my own people. What she was saying is she was saying, she was saying, I need nothing. I don't do this just to get something out of it. How many of there's two ways that we can give? We can give to get or we can give just because we have a generous heart. Amen. And so I believe that you give because you have a generous heart. And he says, uh, what has had to be done to you? And she said, uh, on your behalf to the king. And she answered, I dwell among my own people. And so he said, what then is to be done for her? As he's talking to Gehazi. And Gehazi answered. And he said, actually, she has no son and her husband is old. And so he said, call her. And when he had called her, she stood in the doorway. And then he said, about this time next year, you shall embrace a son. And she said, no, my Lord, man of God, do not lie to your maidservant. And, and the woman conceived and bore a son. And when the appointed time had come of which Elisha had told her, and the child grew, and now it happened one day that he went out to his father and to the reapers. And he said to his father, Father, my head, my head. And so he said to a servant, Carry him to his mother. And when he had taken him and brought him, she said, she said uh, to his mother, He sat on his knees till noon, and then he passed away. And she went up and laid him on the bed of the man of God, and she shut the door upon him and went out. And then she called to her husband and said, please send me one of the young men and one of the donkeys that I may run to the man of God and come back. And so he said, why are you going to him today? It is neither the new moon nor the Sabbath. And she said, it is well. I want to say it is well. And she said, it is well. And then she saddled a donkey and said to her servant, drive and go forward. Do not slacken the pace for unless I tell you. And so she departed 
and, and went to the man of God at Mount Carmel. And so it was when the man of God saw her afar off that he said to his servant Gehazi, Look, the Shunammite woman, please run now to meet her and say to her, Is it well with you? Is it well with your husband? Is it well with your child? And she answered, It is well. Now when she came to the man of God at the hill, she caught him by the feet, but Gehazi came near to push her away. But the man of God said, Let her alone, for her soul is in deep distress, and the Lord has hidden it from me, and has not told me. And so she said, Did I ask a son of my Lord? Did I not say, Do not deceive me? And then he said to Gehazi, Get yourself ready and take my staff in your hand and be on your way. And if you meet anyone, do not greet him. And if anyone greets you, do not answer him, but lay my staff on the face of the child. And the mother of the child said, As the Lord lives and as your soul lives, I will not leave you. So he arose and followed her. Now Gehazi went on ahead of them and laid the staff on the face of the child, but there was neither voice nor hearing. And therefore he went back to meet him and told him, saying, The child was not awakened. And when Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. And he went in, therefore, and shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and lay on the child and put his mouth on the child, his eyes on his eyes and his hands on his hands, and stretched himself out on the child. And the flesh of the child became warm and he returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him and then the child sneezed seven times I want to say seven times he he sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes and he called Gehazi and he said call this Shunammite woman and so he called her and when she came into him he said pick up your son and so she went in fell at his feet bowed to the ground and she picked up her son as she went out father tonight God, we thank you for the wonderful day that we've had. God, we thank you for your word that challenges us. God, I thank you for your people that have sacrificed their time to come in to your house tonight to worship you in spirit and worship you in truth. Father, tonight we have come expecting great and mighty things from you. God, we didn't come for another ordinary service, but God, we came seeking the supernatural. We came, God, because we are a people who are a needy people. And God, we have need. We have circumstances and we have situations and God in this place tonight God I am praying and I am asking God that your anointing would flow like it's never flowed before God that you would anoint your people in this place that God you would change lives you would heal the brokenhearted God that you would heal the sickness the disease God that you would do the impossible to the human nature and God that you would show up and show out in this place God we declare that today it is an it is well day and the rest rest of our life, God, it is still well, despite what may come our way. Father, we thank you. Now, God, I ask your anointing upon me, that you would lift me up above my circumstances, above my situations, God, and you would lift me up above my talents, God, as I speak your word to your people on this Sunday night. In Jesus' name, everyone said, amen. You may be seated. I began to think of this this story and this passage of scripture, and it's actually one of my favorite. Of course, I love the Bible, so the most all of them are my favorites. But I began to think about this, and and uh, I, I was thinking this afternoon uh, as I've preached this message a couple of times. But I was thinking this afternoon of the last time that I was here and was able to preach on behalf of Pastor Heath as he was gone to Alaska. I think that was back in July. Was it July first of July when y'all came? So so it was right about that Sunday that I was able to 
come in and preach. And a little funny story just to kind of humor you for just a little while, but to let you know reality and for you to understand that it is really well. Is that I came in here, and the last time uh, Beth was still here, but Pastor Heath was gone. And, and so uh, they put me up in the hotel room, and I was late coming in that afternoon, and I went to go check into the hotel room. As I'm checking in the hotel room, no biggie. I've stayed in tons of hotels. It's a great hotel, all those things. It's been great. And I'm checking in the hotel, and I get in there, and I, I get all my clothes unpacked, and I'm hanging them up, and that way they're not wrinkled for uh, you know the service the next day. And as I'm sitting in the room, and I'm going through a few of my messages, I'm laying on the bed, and I'm sitting on the bed there, and all of a sudden, in the, the door, in, the, in the, the room next to me, I hear all this fussing and fighting. How many of you ever been in a hotel room where people next to you are just causing mass chaos? Amen. And so, so I'm in this moment, and it's getting dark, it's kind of getting dusk outside, and, and there's a lot of fussing, there's a lot of fighting, and I, I hear things being thrown around, and I hear people being thrown around. And uh, now, you have to also understand that, that there have been circumstances and situations in my life in ministry that there have been some death threats that have been placed against me in circumstances and all those things. So I'm already a cautious kind of guy everywhere that I go, anyhow. So I'm in this kind of moment. And, and I'm laying on my bed and I hear all this commotion that's going on next door, fussing, fighting, all these different things that are going on. And I hear one goes out the door, slams the door. And about 30 minutes later, they come back in and it's all fussing and fighting and all this is going on again. And I'm thinking to myself, man, this is going to be a long night. All right? So I'm thinking, God, just give me the grace to make it through it. Give me a little bit of rest tonight so I can preach to your people tomorrow morning. And, and then I'm laying there and all of a sudden, I hear fussing, fighting, things being thrown around again. And then all of a sudden I hear this loud noise about ten times in a row. Immediate thought in my head is gunshot. That's what I'm thinking. Then at that moment I hear the door slam and I hear tires squeal out as the car races out of the parking lot. Now, it's very humbling for me to admit to you, I'd like to say that I was that kind of guy that, you know, I raced to the rescue and I was in that kind of moment to where, you know, I was, I was full of bravery. I was, you know, the one that went out there and made sure everyone was okay. I'm sitting there thinking, literally, I ducked down off of my bed on the ground and I was thinking, just hoping and praying that not a bullet came through my bedroom. All right. That's what's going through my mind at this moment. Then at that moment, I, I, I began to, as things kind of calmed down, I looked out the window, and I, as I walked out the window, and then I, I went to the, the main office, and I said, uh, ma'am, uh, did, did you not see that car that sped out of there? And, you know, there's a lot of fussing and fighting and all that's going on in here and all these different things that are going on. And, and she said, yes, sir, I, I saw that, and, and uh, I've heard about that. And uh, I said, well, did you, did you hear any gunshots or anything going off because uh, I just want to make sure that whether I need to stay here tonight and continue or I'll sleep in my truck somewhere. I don't care, you know. And she began to laugh. And uh, I said, ma'am, this isn't really that funny. Um, I mean, you're just in the shoes of me, right? And she began to laugh and she said, sir, uh, just to put your mind at ease, uh, those were fireworks that were going off out in the parking lot. And, uh, but, you know, the timing of everything that was there was one of those kind of moments. And I don't know about you, but in that kind of moment, I double-checked myself just to make sure I was saved because I wanted to make sure I'm still going to make it to heaven. Amen? You know, you say, well, you're an evangelist. You're a preacher. You should be saved. I should be, but I'm just making sure that I am, all right? It's always good to double-check.
neck sometimes. Amen. So, so I was in that kind of moment, but in that kind of moment, our mind can race to many different areas and we can begin to think it's funny how our mind always tends to go to the worst case scenario sometimes. Right. And, and so I began about that and I thought man this fits in so so well with it is well because in spite of everything that was going on it still was well because it wasn't anything but just fireworks and just a lineup of things that happened follow in order. And I thought, you know, the enemy works that way in our life so many times that he plays those mind games with us to try to get us to thinking that things aren't always well. Amen. But I'm here to declare to us tonight that it is well. Link to your neighbor again and say it is well. Because I believe that we have the ability and the honor to be able to stand upon the Word of God. And can I tell you tonight that the Word of God is filled with promises. Everyone say promises. The Word of God is filled with promises. From Genesis to Revelation, you will find to where the Word of God is filled with promises. And, and we come to church and, and we come and we set through services and, and we use that term so many times that, that God's given you a promise and, and God's given you a promise and God's given you a promise. And we say that term sometimes so loosely that I think that so many times we've neglected actually what a promise actually means. Amen? That we need to understand sometimes and we need to go back to understanding what it really means when God gives you a promise. How many have ever received a promise from God? Amen? Lift your hand up. You received a promise from God. Amen? And so I think we need to understand it. So I began to think and I began to ask. I said, what is really the meaning of a promise? So I looked it up and, and I looked up many different versions and many different definitions and kind of compile them together and this is what a promise is are you ready tonight a promise is a legally binding declaration that gives the person who received the promise the right to expect claim and performance of the specified claim do i need to say that again a promise is a legally binding declaration that gives the person, you and I as born-again believers, who receive the promise, the right to expect. Everyone say expect. That's why I tell you to come with expectations. But it gives you the right to expect claim and performance of the specified claim that God what I'm saying to you tonight is this is that as a child of God you and I have been given the right to expect claim and expect performance that God will perform the promise that he said amen you and I have that right I wish you would get that in your spirit with me tonight because if you will get that in your spirit with me tonight there is no telling what God will do in this place because when you come to to the understanding of knowing that every promise that God has given to you, that he has ever spoken to you and your family, that as a child of God, as a man of God, as a woman of God, you have the right to boldly approach the throne of God and 
Say, God, you gave me this promise and I've come expecting that you will perform it right now. Not 10 years, not 20 years, not 30 years. I expect that you will perform this promise. As a child of God, we have been given that right. Amen. You see, I don't have to worry about God's ability to act in the midst of my situation. And I am so thankful that none of us ever have to worry about God performing in the midst of our situation. Amen? Have you ever just sat around and as the human side, we tend to try to go this way that God in the midst of our circumstance, in the midst of our situation that we think that God is nowhere around, that God's not even paying attention, that God's not even listening that God doesn't even know what we're going through. But can I tell us tonight that we don't have to worry about God showing up. If we will do our part, God will always do his part. Amen. If we will stand in agreement and do what the word of God says, then he will always do his part. Amen. You see, when God's promises come alive in you, you will know the who, you will know the what, you will know the when, and you will know the why. You will know the who, you will know the what, you will know the when, and you will know the why. Who is it that you will know? You will know that he is Jesus Christ, the giver of life. The what is that he will do exceedingly, abundantly above all you could ever ask, think, or imagine. The when is right when you need it. He is never late. He is always on time. Even when you think he's four days late, three days late, a week late, a month late, whatever, he is always right on time. That is your win. Your where is at God's appointed place of power and your why is because God said he would do it. Lean to your man and say, God said he would do it. It is because God said he would do it. You see, the word of God is a book of promises. It is a book of promises to heal you. It is a book of promises to deliver you. It is a book of promises to stand beside you when everyone else walks away from you. I don't know about you, but have you ever had someone walk out on you and leave you feeling abandoned? Amen. That it is a promise to stand beside you. He is a promise to meet your need above all you can contain, not just meet your need, but meet it above what you can contain. When he fed the 5,000 people, it wasn't just meeting the need, but it says there were 12 basketfuls that were left over. Amen. How many are thankful for a God that not just meets your need, but he always exceeds your need. Amen. That there are promises to make a way when there seems to be no way. There are promises that joy will come when there's nothing to be happy about. That peace when the world has lost their mind and turned their back on God, that you can still find peace in the promises of God. That there is victory just when you feel like you're about to give up, just when you feel like you're about to be overtaken. I don't know about you, but I found myself in those places many times. But can I tell you something tonight? That God has a promise that he has given to you and a promise that he has given to me that he will always be there and victory is always on his side. There is not one time throughout the word of God or throughout history where you will ever find where God or Jesus or himself has ever been defeated. He is a victorious God and he does not live in defeat. And because you and I are his sons and his daughters, can I tell us in this place tonight that he has called 
you and I to also walk in victory and not walk in defeat. So no matter what it is that you are dealing with, no matter what it is that you are struggling with, you have been given a promise of victory. These promises are the yes, they are the amen. As they said this morning, they are the amen. It is over. It is a new chapter. It is a new beginning. God is the alpha and he is the omega. He is the beginning and he is the end and he does a new thing and when he does a new thing, sometimes change is good, amen? And sometimes we just got to step into something new that he is doing. But these promises are the yes and they are the amen. They are the legally binding specifications of God himself over your life and God is not slack in concerning his promises, amen? He does not go slack in his promises, but if he promised it, can I tell you tonight, if he promised it, he will perform it. Amen? You don't have to guess it. You don't have to think. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to stress about it. You don't have to go out thinking that God is a God who doesn't keep his promises. My God, I feel the anointing in this place tonight. If God said he's going to do something great, then guess what? If he said he's got a revival for this last day, that he's going to pour out his spirit like no man has ever seen, then guess what? Can I tell us at this place that there is no president, there is no legislator, there is no nation, there is no one that can stand in between the promises that God has said that he is going to do. If he promised it, he will perform it. A little bit of a disclaimer tonight that if you've never been through anything, if hell's never risen up to shut you down, if it's never come to shut you up, if you never experienced hell rising up against you to steal your promises, then this message is not for you. You can get on Facebook, Twitter, tweet all the night long. You can get on Instagram, Snapchat, whatever it is that you want to do. But can I tell you that if you are like this woman in this story that we just read, this woman who had given a dream, who had been given a promise, and it came true, but hell rose up with everything within it to bring destruction upon the promise that God has given. You see, if you've been through that kind of furnace of affliction, then can I tell you something? tonight that tonight's message is for you because we need to understand and we need to grasp hold that God has not called us to be a church and a people who just sat on the wayside just waiting for something to happen he's called us to be an active people who are proactive and advancing the kingdom of heaven and if you think that people are just going to come in here because you sat on a pew and you sing nice songs can I tell you something people aren't attracted to that people are attracted to the spirit and the power and the anointing of God and God says you go out into all the world and preach the gospel he didn't say for pastors to go he didn't say for ministers to go he didn't say for teachers to go he said you go that means that you and I as a born again believer whether you're in Walmart whether you're in Target whether you're in Kroger whether wherever you are when you walk down the aisle and you see someone who is hurting you ought to have enough of Jesus on the inside of you that you you can stop right there in that moment and say, let me tell you about a God who says that there's a promise that is waiting for you. Promise to help you, to heal you. I began to think of the many a times as a, as a pastor in this city that I pastored in that I hated to go to Walmart. I hated it. I don't know about you, but I hated it. Because every time I'd go to Walmart... For five minutes, I'd wind up being there for 45 minutes. Everyone ever been there before? 
I'd even at times, most people, hardly anyone ever sees me wearing a cap. And so there were even times that I'd put on a hoodie and a ball cap just to go at Walmart hoping no one recognized me, Sister Evelyn. That sounds bad as a pastor. But, but that's how I was because I was like, I got to get somewhere. And you'll understand my pain here in just a moment. Because I, I began to think about the times that in casual conversation that you walk by people and you ask them, how are you doing? Are you with me tonight? And that time that and, and you're walking by and you're saying, hey man, Christian, it's good to see you. How you doing, man? Yes, yeah, great, awesome. Because you got your mind on trying to go somewhere else. Because you're expecting a response that naturally comes out of us. Hey, Pastor Lee, man, I'm doing great. It's doing great. It's good to see you. Bye. Go on. That's what we want, right? But there was always, for some reason, that one. You know what I'm talking about. That you say, man, how's it going? It's going great. You know what I'm saying? Well, my life's just horrible. It, It couldn't get any worse. And they go on this long speech of 45 minutes that has absolutely nothing to do with how horrible their life is. It's just because they want to tell you details that absolutely don't matter. It got quiet in the room tonight. <laughs> Anyone ever been there or is it just me? Amen? And I'm sitting here thinking on the inside. And I'm just being vulnerable with you tonight. Can I just be transparent with you? All right? I, I know as a pastor that sounds horrible. But guess what? I'm still human too. All right? All right, so give me a little bit of a break, all right? Get a Kit Kat or something other, whatever, all right. So, but, but in that moment, I was just wanting for someone to tell me, yeah, life is going great. But the reality of it is this, is that we have a good perception and we have a good posture of being able to lie to people. Because how many times have you and I, you and I, When someone, and you show up on a Sunday morning, and you walk in the door of the church. Now, on your way to church, you had everything in the world that seemed like chaos going on in your life. You just got through fussing and fighting with your kids at home. Your husband wasn't doing right. He wouldn't get ready. He was still watching TV. You said it's time to go. He wouldn't come. You get in the car. You find out when your kids didn't do something or they, or they actually did something that they shouldn't do. You're fussing and you're fighting and doing all this kind of stuff and you're on your way to church. And then you get out of the car fussing and fighting and doing all, I'm not talking about fighting in a bad way. Stay with me for just a little while. And you're fussing and you're doing all this stuff. And you open up the door of the church and you see the church greeters. And they smile at you and they say, how are you doing today, Brother Lee? Well, I am doing just blessed. I am doing just fine. God is so good to us. Our family, we have the perfect family. And they are just so in line and so in order. You are a liar, a liar, a liar. All right? But we come in with a mentality in that kind of moment that everything is well in my life because I'm too spiritual to let my guard down to let someone else agree in prayer with me but isn't it ironic 
that when it comes to the things of God and whenever we are attacked on every side that we have the audacity to go to God and we go pouting to Him and sympathizing with Him trying to get Him to sympathize with us and we go and whining to God. Are you with me tonight? And we go to God and we approach Him in that kind of way. When we need to have a mentality of understanding that it is still well. Despite everything that I'm facing. Despite that my kids are on drugs. Despite that they're on alcohol. Despite that any of these other things that are going on. We need to have an understanding. And a a mindset of understanding. That despite all of those things. It is still well in my life. Because God has given me a promise. I thought about this song. It's an old song. The song, It Is Well, with my soul. And I thought about that, and I I love studying stories. And I began to study the story of that song. And and for you just to understand a little bit of tonight, of understanding where that song came from. We sing it, but do you really know where it comes from? So many times we sing the words, just lip service, but not understanding the heart behind it. Are you with me tonight? You see, in 1871, there was a fire that ravaged the the city of Chicago, leaving 300 people dead and 100,000 people homeless. But there was an attorney by the name of Horatio Gates Spafford, a friend of D.L. Moody, who was a famous evangelist who helped its people back on their feet. And after two years of Tyler's effort, he and his family decided to take a much-needed vacation. So they planned to travel to England, and they planned to join Moody on the evangelistic field and then go on to Europe and spend a family vacation. But Spafford got delayed, and he sent his family on ahead, planning to meet them on the other side of the Atlantic. But they never made it. New, near Newfoundland, their ship collided with an English sailing vessel and sank within 23 minutes. Spafford's wife, Anna, survived by clinging to some floating wreckage, but all four of their daughters drowned. The next day, Spafford received this terrible two-word telegram from his wife, and it read this, Saved Alone. And he immediately went to be with her. He boarded his ship, began to cross over. And as he began to cross over, the captain knew that that was his family that he had lost. And when they reached the place to where the ship had sank, the captain went and he woke Horatio Spafford up. And he brought him out to the edge to look over the waters, and he began to look over the blue waters that were there rumbling, and the waters that were just there moving along in the sea. And Horatio Spafford, in the pain that he was going through of having lost his four daughters that he should have been with, going to meet his wife on the other side who is in pain and who is hurting, he looks across and he gazes across that ocean. And as he looks up to heaven, he begins to say these words that became one of the greatest songs in history. He said, very quietly, it is well, the will of God be done in my life. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, 
It is well. It is well with my soul. With having every right to be angry. With having every right to hold on to hurt and to hold on to pain. He chose in that moment to hold on to the promises of God. He chose because he understood that his children were a gift from God and he had given them back to God. And he knew that in spite of circumstance, God still had an even greater plan. Amen? And through that situation, he was able, his song has been passed down from generations to generations that has helped so many go through so many trials and so many struggles and so many moments in life when they needed a promise to hold on to. You see, this story that we read in 2 Kings chapter number 4 is a story of this woman who has received God's promise and just when she began to enjoy it, that promise was seemingly snatched away from her. It was taken away from her. This is a real life story. It is a story not of just real life, but it is also a story of spiritual warfare. It is a story of a woman who made room for God in her life. And because of that, God blessed her. But in that blessing and walking along that journey, the enemy fought with everything that there was within him. To try to remove the blessing that God had given her. We find this story as a Shunammite woman. That she was a uh, part of a very wealthy family. That she built a room on her house for the man of God, Elisha. So that when he's passing through, he has a place that he can come. And a place that he can stay in. And we find in this story that one day Elisha is there. And, and he asks, he says, man, what can I do for you? And she says, I don't need anything. I don't do this to receive. I don't need anything. And he says, but no, what can I do for you? And, and Gehazi, his servant, speaks up and he says, she has no son. She has no son, but she has always dreamed of having a son. She had dreamed to be a mother, but after years of trying and after years of giving, her and her husband gave up on the dream. And they became content with the life that they had been given instead of the life that they wanted. You ever found yourself giving up and becoming content with where you are instead of reaching out and reaching forward to where God is wanting to take you? That because of the pressures of life, you see, we need to understand that in life, the blessings come through the stretching. The blessings come through the stretching. I often would have my staff on, on staff with me. at uh, They weren't paid. They were just volunteer because that's how I roll. But I'm just playing. Um, but they, they would, we, in youth service, I would have them wear a rubber band. And they thought it was kind of weird for me at, for them at first. They were like, why in the world are you having us wear a rubber band? And it's because I started the year off and I was like, you know, hey, um, I really feel God's wanting to take us to this place, but, but it's going to be a little difficult for us to get there. And so I had them wear this rubber band. Now, why did I have them wear that rubber band? It was a token of a reminder that a rubber band's intended purpose is for what? For being stretched. And that rubber band can sit in that drawer all day long in your office or at your home, and it's there, and it's still a rubber band. But it's never accomplishing the purpose of which it was intended and created for. 
And I thought that so many of us are like a rubber band. That we sit in a drawer somewhere, not fulfilling the purpose and the intention of what we were created for, because we don't like being stretched. Are you with me tonight? We don't like being stretched. But can I tell you tonight that the blessing is in the stretching, and you will never fulfill the purpose that you have been called to do unless you are being stretched. Amen? So this woman had this dream. You ever been confronted? With a good promise from God and it just seemed too good to be true? You ever been there before? There's like, no God, that, that can never happen. That's impossible. That, that would never happen. That's where this woman was. Because if you notice in the story, she looks at the man of God after having dreamed of a child for years, but having grown content with not being able to have one. She looks at the man as he says, you're going to have a child this time next year. And she looks at him. and I don't believe she just looked at him. I believe she grabbed a hold of him. And she looked at him and she said, don't you dare lie to me. That's what it said. Don't you dare lie to me. You don't know what in essence she was saying is you don't know how many times I thought a child was on the way. You don't know how many times that me and my husband have went and decorated the nursery and told all of our friends and prepared for this great blessing to come. You don't know how many times that we thought that that was coming, but the enemy always came in to destroy. So don't you dare lie to me. Can I tell us this tonight? God knows what we don't have the courage to tell anyone else. Because that's where she was. She never told him that she wanted a child. God spoke to the servant, his servant, to tell the servant that she wants a child. And there are some times that we have given up on dreams and we have given up on promises that God has given us. But can I tell us tonight that I believe we're entering into a season that God is going to begin to speak and resurrect those dreams and resurrect those promises. Amen. You see, you need to understand as well that there are times when God will give you a vision of something for your tomorrow that right now you don't have the ability to contain. I can remember at the age of 16, as God called me into ministry, he began to speak to me and he began to show me dreams and visions of me standing before thousands of people preaching the gospel. And I said, God, that is not me. Not me at all. At that moment, I knew that God had called me to the evangelistic field because of people, I saw people of every nation, tribe, and, and everything, every culture that were standing in that audience. But can I tell you something? That in that moment, that dream was not meant for right then, but it was a dream. It was a promise to hold on to for something in the future of dream and a promise that yet to this day I'm still holding on to. And sometimes we have to understand that when God gives us a vision of something for our tomorrow, it is because we don't have the ability to contain it today. We need to understand that all things are possible if we just simply believe. Amen? It's that simple. Faith, just believing. All things are possible if we just believe. So I began to read this story. And as I'm reading this story, I like to make the story come to life. And, and, and she had been given this promise. And she had gave birth to a child. And, and we find in the story that she had begun to get used to being a mother. She was 
being in that moment of her life that she could see the potential of the child's life. She could dream with him. She could see him growing up and going out and spending time with his father and and working. She could dream of him and see him becoming someone great and doing something great for the kingdom of God. She, She knew that he was a promise and he had something special upon his life. But just in the moment when she began to hold on to those dreams, the enemy came to kill, steal, and destroy One day he's out working with his dad and he looks at his dad and he says, Dad, my head, my head. Now, I don't know about you, but growing up with my parents and my dad, we live on a farm and so we work on a farm. And my dad was always one of those. He loves me dearly, but he was also one of those too that whenever you get hurt, just get up, boy, and rub some dirt on it. It'll be all right. Stop crying. Amen. You know, be a man. You know, make a man out of you. Amen. But how many know that when you're hurting as a child... When you're hurting as an adult, no matter how old that you are, who do you want to go see? Mama, right? Because you know mama is going to take care of you, right? And so he sends him into his mom, and he walks into the room with his mom, and he's saying, my head, my head. And I can just imagine in this story that her being the mother that she was, that she takes him and she lays him down on the couch, and she places a a wet rag on his head, and she asks him, son, just lay there for a little while. You probably just got too hot because your daddy works you too hard, and he knows you're not supposed to work that much. And I've done told him that not to work you that much. He's supposed to just let you hang out and have some fun. So he brings him in and lays him down there and places that rag on his head and says, son, what is it that is your favorite meal? And she begins to go in the kitchen and she begins to fix his favorite meal and she begins to bring it towards him. And, and as she's in the kitchen fixing that favorite meal, she all of a sudden hears her son that is on the couch begin to gasp very deeply. He is breathing and he is gasping for air. And she turns and she drops the food that she is making and she makes a beeline to run into the room of the couch or where he is and she walks right in the room and right before her eyes as she reaches out to grab her son he takes one last breath and his eyes close and right there before her she watched as her promise was taken and if it would have been you and if it would have been me in that moment We would have fallen to the ground. We would have begged. We would have pleaded. We would have screamed. We would have hollered. We would have called for our husband. We would have called for our family. We would have called for the servants to come in. We would have done whatever it took in that moment, but not this woman. This woman walks in and she picks her son up. who just breathed his last breath, her promise. And she picks him up and she could have chosen to take him and lay him on his own bed for his final resting place. Or she could have chosen to take him to their bedroom and lay him on their bed for his final resting place. But there was some power on the inside of this woman. There was a promise on the inside of this woman. And she chose to take him to the room where the man of God slept. She took him back to the very place the promise was birth. 
You know, sometimes in life, whenever our promises seem to be vanishing and our promises and our dreams seem to die and it seems like sickness or disease or it seems like all these other things have come into us and they're attacking us, there are sometimes that we just need to go right back to where the promise came from. We don't need to settle and accept what the enemy has come in to steal, kill, and destroy. But we need to understand that all power in heaven and in earth has been given unto the name of Jesus Christ. And if you are a son or a daughter of him, then you have been given power and authority to speak to your situations. You know what I'm tired of? What I'm tired of is church people who call themselves Christian, who constantly come in speaking death over situations. God has never called you to speak death over situations. He said, I have called you to speak life because there is the power of death and life in what you speak and what you speak over your son. You can call him an alcoholic or you can say, he's sitting right here beside me in church and he's baptized in the Holy Spirit preaching the gospel. You can choose that your daughter who's a drug addict, you can say they're strung out on drugs or you can choose to say they are sitting right beside me, baptizing the Holy Spirit, doing incredible things with, for the kingdom of heaven. You see, we have to understand that when we have been given a promise, we have been given a right to expect claim over that promise. A promise from God. And in this moment, she lays him on the bed. And she doesn't even tell her husband. She walks out. Apparently with a calm look on her face. And she says, husband, tell the servant to get me a donkey. I'm going to see the man of God. You see, I say that she didn't have any stressful look on her face because as even a father, knowing that your son was just complaining about his head hurting, who goes in because he's feeling sick, And then a few hours later, your wife comes out saying that she's got to go see the man of God. For any person with any common sense, it would tell you that there's something else going on here. Amen? She says, why are you going to see the man of God? It's not the Sabbath. It's not a new moon. Why are you going to see him? And she says, in essence, don't worry about it because it is well. That's what she said. Don't worry about it because it is well. I've just got to go see the man of God. And on the journey of the way to see the man of God, as she gets on the donkey and she begins to go, it says that she makes her way towards Mount Carmel where Elisha is there with Gehazi. And along the way, it says that Elisha sees her coming and he sends Gehazi out to meet her. He says, I don't know what's going on, but this woman is in distress and God has hid it from me and I don't understand what's going on. But he sends Gehazi out and Gehazi goes out and he says, number one, he says, is it well with you? Now, if that's me and that's you, absolutely not. It is not well with me. Are you with me tonight? I just lost my son. Do you think that it is well with me? I just lost my promise. Do you think it is well with me? And then he asked her the second question. Some of us may have passed by that. Say, yeah, I'm good. 
like what we do in Walmart when we come to church. But then he says, but is it well with your son? Don't talk about my boy. Because my boy just lost his life. Is it well with your husband? It is well. You see, her response was always, it is well. Why was it that her response was that it is always well? It is because she understood that even in the midst of her circumstances, that there was a praise that was not based upon happenings. There is a praise that is not based upon circumstances, but there is a praise and there is an understanding that when you are a child of God, no matter what comes your way, no matter how much hell rises up to try to take you out, that God will send his angels charge over you and he will protect you and he will lead you. And baby, don't threaten me with death because if I got to die, death in me brings me into the presence of the most high God. So don't tempt me with death. Don't tempt me with those things because I've been given a promise. Amen. And she says, yes, it is well. It is well. She makes her way, and she gets to the man of God. And he sends Gehazi back. And as he's sending Gehazi back, he says, take my staff and lay it upon him. And she says, that ain't going to work, sir. I know he's a man of God, but that ain't going to work. You see, we could settle in our promises sometimes of just some other man of God coming back. But there are times that we got to go back to the source. Because I'm not going to be okay with you just sending someone else. He wasn't the one that made the promise. He wasn't the one that spoke it into existence. You were, and I told you, don't you dare lie to me. And so I believe she grabbed a hold of his feet and she said, you can send him back all you want to send him back, but I am going to hold on right here with you. You see, in this day and age and generation we are living in, there was a term when I was growing up that said we need to hold on to the horns of the altar until you receive what God has already promised. You see, we live in a day and age that we live in a fast food society. We live in a fast church society that we think that when we come down to the front, if God hasn't performed it in five minutes, then we go back to our seat. But God is saying, I want to see a generation of people that will stand and say and proclaim, God, you've given me a promise and I'm not settling for you sending someone else back. I am holding on to your feet. Jesus Christ, the Son of God, you promised it so God I'm saying in this moment in this instant I am not leaving this spot until I receive my healing I'm not leaving this spot until I receive my deliverance I'm not leaving this spot until I receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit I'm not leaving this spot I'm going to hold on even when the enemy wants me to stop I'm still going to hold on we need a generation of people within the church today that are not afraid to wait it out and tarry in the presence of God because you see my God you see whenever they went to the upper room it said they went and they did what they tarried they tarried that was the only way that they received power because they tarried they waited and they held on it is well 
The story goes on. I'm fixing to close really fast. I know you don't believe it because we all lie as preachers. But the story goes on. And the man of God goes back. And he goes in and he lays upon the child. Mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes, hands to hands. And begins to breathe the breath of life. And speak life into that body. And the warm sensation begins to come over that child. And he gets up and he walks out and he paces and he prays. And then he walks back into the room and he lays upon that child again. Hand to hand, mouth to mouth, eyes to eyes. With an anointing upon his life. With a promise that he had given that he had watched fade away. And as he laid upon that child the second time, that child began to cough and sneeze seven times. And as he sneezed, then life entered into that body. Because a woman was willing in the midst of what she was going through to not live in defeat, but to say, it is well. It is well. So tonight, you say, well, Pastor Lee, man, How is it that you live and it is well life? How how can you stand? How can you proclaim? How can you speak with power and speak with authority? Let me leave it to you this way. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 tells us this. It says, But you shall receive What? What? You shall receive power after and when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You shall receive power. Everyone say power. And I began to think about that. I've heard Dr. Tim Todd, dear friend of mine, I know he's a dear friend of this church, and I've heard him preach messages on about the dunamis power of the Holy Spirit and, and about it, how it's the dynamite power. And, and I've heard that preached and all that. And I began to think one day, I said, I said God, I know that, that this is what it means, and it's talking about dynamite power, TNT, dynamite power. And I said, well, that sounds good because that's like explosive power. But then I began to ask, and I said, but, but where did dynamite come from? Anyone ever asked that question before? No? I was like, where, where did dynamite really come from? Let, let's look at if it's dynamite power, then where did that really come from? And I began to look. Remember, this is how to live a life of an it is well. How to step in the power and the authority God has given you. Nitro, nitroglycerin, dynamite, was, was later adopted as a commercial use of explosive by Alfred Nobel. Alfred Nobel. Anyone ever heard of an Alfred Nobel before? Alfred Nobel is the man who was also that the, peace, the Nobel Peace Prize was named after. It's kind of ironic to me that a guy who went around blowing up things was the one who was noted for bringing peace. <laughs> right? 
Alfred Nobel, after nitroglycerin was created, there was no way, no stable way to transport nitroglycerin, what we know of as dynamite today. No one could find a way to transport it. There was no way to house it. So Alfred Nobel built facility after facility, and he began to try placing nitroglycerin in glass bottles. He, he placed it in, in, in plastic. He placed it in wood. He placed it in all these other different things. And every single time he placed it in one of those things, things, and he began to transport it to another location, it would always explode. And he had so many explosions to the extent that they ran him out of three towns because he blew up half the town. Now, I don't know about you, that's not the neighbor you want living beside you. Alfred Nobel then began to get out, and his last place that he built a structure where he was trying to find out something that could handle and something that could hold this power, he reaches out, and his facility is beside a river. And in that river, there was some mud in the bottom of that river. There was some dirt in the bottom of that river. And he reaches out, and he grabs a hold of some of that dirt. And he said, well, I've tried glass. I've tried wood. I've tried all these other things things, so why not just try dirt? So he tries dirt, and he brings it in, and he molds this kind of little bit of a vessel, and he places nitroglycerin on the inside of this dirt vessel, and he uses it, and it is very successful. Now, what I came here to tell you and relate to you is this, is that the only thing in this life, isn't it ironic, that can contain nitroglycerin, a dynamite power on this physical earth is something that is made out of dirt. Now, if we go all the way back to Genesis, when God himself came down and he reached down into dirt and he formed a man by the name of Adam and he spoke into existence life as he breathed into that body. Do you see where I'm going tonight? You see, we need to understand that 2 Corinthians chapter number 4, it explains it very well. It says that, but we have, in verse number 7, but we have this treasure. I'm going to say treasure. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellent power uh, may be of God, not in us. We are hard-pressed on ever sad, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. We are persecuted, but not forsaken. We are struck down, but not destroyed. We are always caring about in the body the dying of the Lord Jesus, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our body. For we who live are always delivered to death for Jesus' sake, that the life of Jesus may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So then death is working in us, but life in you. And since we have the same spirit of faith according to that which is written, the same spirit that raised Jesus Christ from the dead. It is not a copy. It is not a carbon copy. It is not a duplicate. It is the same exact spirit that reached down into that grave and on the third day quickened the mortal life of Jesus Christ. Since we have that same spirit. My God, I lost my place. I believe, therefore, and spoke. We are believing, are therefore speaking, knowing that he has raised Christ, Jesus raised us for all things that are. Therefore, we do not lose heart, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. For our light affliction, it is well moment. For our light affliction, which is but for a 
moment. It is not for eternity. It is not for months. It is not for days. It is just for a moment. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working far more exceeding an eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Worship team, would you please come to the platform? You see, I said all of that to tell you this tonight. I said all that for you to understand that whenever you take your body and you break down all the elements in your body. Now, this is about 10 years ago when I did this study. When you break down all the elements that make up your body and you take them and you place them on the market and you say, how much is my body worth? How much am I really worth? Now, I know some of you in this place might think that you are worth a lot. You may think that you are worth millions of dollars. I hate to burst your bubble in this place tonight, but you are only worth $6.25. You are only worth $6.25 when you take your body and try to sell it on the market. But when you take an earthen vessel and you combine it with a dunamis power, my God, and you combine it with a dunamis power, and that power begins to reside on the inside of you. Did you know that out of all of the creation that God spoke into existence, that you are the only creation that can hold the power of the Holy Spirit? There is not another creation. There is not another animal. There is not another thing. You are the only creation. So I say that because I want you to understand that when you are going through things in life and you are facing things in life, you need to understand that it is an it is well kind of moment in my life. Despite the heartache, despite the disease, despite the whatever it is that I'm facing, despite I might have lost someone in my life, despite all those things, can I tell you something? It is still well. It is still all good in the hood. It is still all well. It is well. It is well. It is well. It is well. Why is it well? Because you are a chosen earthen vessel that has been given power to overcome everything that the enemy has placed against you. It is well. It is well. Can we do that song this morning? The open up the heavens and start with show us your glory. Is that too much to ask? You see, there are some of you in this place that life's thrown a lot of things at you. And your promises seem like they're slowly fading away and being taken away. Maybe even some that need a healing. Maybe some that have kids that are acting up. Maybe some that, that just God has given you a promise. And you become comfortable with living where you are because you haven't seen that promise come to pass yet. But now I want to challenge you. To not settle with where you are. But to go all the way back tonight when you come to these altars with your hands lifted up. And remember this morning, I said it's time for us to step into the supernatural. Not saying in the natural, but stepping into the supernatural. You see, it's not natural for a young man to be called back to life who is dead. It is supernatural. It's time that we step into the supernatural over our own life and over our promises and the promises God has given us.
And we say, you know what, devil? You are a liar and you are the father of all lies and you have already been defeated and I will not accept this that you have placed upon my life. I speak power and I speak authority over this situation and I am taking back everything that you've stolen. We've got to step into that power. We've got to step into that anointing. Would you stand with me all across the place tonight? Even if you're a teenager in this place tonight, Because you see, I know because I was a youth pastor. The teenagers, you struggle with a lot of things and there are a lot of things that you're faced with. Can I tell you something? One of the greatest things in my teenage life that revolutionized my life was stepping into the power, that dunamis power, that dynamite power. It was the greatest blessing in my life that has helped me through so many other things. Tonight, whether you need healing, whether you just need a grass hold and you need someone to agree with you to bring the promise back. You need resurrection of dreams. You need resurrection of promises. Whatever it is in this place tonight, I'm going to ask that you be bold, you be courageous, and that you not allow anything to stop you. Because what I believe in this place tonight is I believe that there are some earthen vessels in this place that some have become empty. But God wants to refill. That God wants to move you up and step you into a place of power, of understanding that life is still well. That it is still good. That God is still great and that He is still worthy. In this place, could you just close your eyes for just a moment? Can you just lift your hands all across the building? Can you just lift your hands? And can you just verbally begin to express, begin to talk to God? Come on, let your voices be known to God in this place tonight. Can you just begin?